You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Piper Carter Podcast, and you are listening to Piper Carter. And we are here with the token millennial. Are you going to speak, Brittany? Mm-mm. Oh, <laughs> cool. People love love Brittany. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Well, peace. What's up, Pipe? What's up, Deja? Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good, good. good. It, although it's snowing, but you know what? Let me not say that. I'm, I welcome the snow. <clears throat> I've been looking for the snow, and um, thank you, thank you, precious Creator, for giving us the snow. That we very much needed. So, um, okay. Um, I think we had a really great show last week. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 all in our um, it's in the ether somewhere. Yes. But um, it's interesting. We recorded a whole episode. It was amazing, and it was our first episode. You know, like really implementing um, Britney's. Well, it was our second episode actually implementing Britney's brilliant design of our new format and somehow it vanished into the podcast i'll take the elf right out ethers (laughs) i don't know it's gone and it's okay it was a great practice run i had fun did you guys have fun yeah i did too i thought we did a good job like learning how to mesh well together and yes it was fun it was good it was great don't worry about it (laughs) y'all they've been messing with me for the whole night before we recorded and they still laughing at me so not at with no i'm not laughing right that's the one right when it's like i'm not laughing though (laughs) okay okay i quit okay well um well i think what we will bring back though like you know from last week is we have to definitely give our love to um kobe bryant and and his family you know people that are missing him his and his fans and the the other children who are here um you know he went down with his daughter Gigi <clears throat> and the other parents who were a part of the 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 team and the Mamba team and the pilot and um and all of their families and so did you want to say anything about that before we give the libations um you know it's just interesting to see um, how much love he received, especially through the fans. I think last week was a week, a struggle week for a lot of people. And to hear that his wife, uh, Vanessa, wanted to take uh, all the things, all the tributes that were left in front of the Staples Center, I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. I think he had over, like they said, 1,300 basketballs were there. Wow. Um, so the fact that she's uh, planning to take all that, those items with her, I think is a good, is a good, is a good showcase, a strong showcase for where she, um, I can't even imagine where she is mentally. So to be, mm-hmm. you know, that strong, I don't know who's, who's helping her, who's guiding her. Even if that was just her thought, <laughs> I thought that was beautiful. I haven't heard much about the services. Have you guys? No. I haven't checked on it either. Me neither. Me neither. So I'll be interested to see, you know, I wonder if it's going to be. in. I think it is going to be at the Staples Center. Mm. I'm not sure uh, when it's going to be. Um, but All-Star Weekend is approaching mm. next week in Chicago. So mm. I'm excited to see 
um, won the new layout of the All Star Week weekend. But then I'm 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 really excited to see the Kobe Bryant tributes. Yeah. Um, just a phenomenal person. I mean, to be honest, the world I think has done a beautiful job of of, of uplifting him and and uh, helping his family heal by providing them with love. And you know, last week I kind of went into why he was will always be one of my favorite basketball players. I think you know, for me. He is one of my favorite basketball players. I think, you know, Michael Jordan and his, then it's Kobe is the best shooting guard of all time. Um, at this point, there's no surprise. His work ethic, we talked about that last week. Um, we talked a lot about <clears throat> the things that he was doing with women. He had four girls. And you know, I think they kept trying because they wanted to have boys eventually. But you're here, you hear him do interviews. He wasn't really uh, pressed on having a son to carry his legacy um, he really enjoyed having daughters. He really enjoyed fatherhood. He really enjoyed being a um, girl dad. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, Piper, you mentioned it. The Mamba team. He was coaching Gigi's basketball team. Um, very enthusiastic about um empowering women. Um, and that translated over into the WNBA. Uh, so this is just a beautiful thing. You look at a person like Kobe Bryant, who's who who put himself over anyone throughout his whole career. And that's what he's known for. And then, you know, put so much time and effort into thinking about what it would be like for him not to be an athlete. And the result of it being him being a father and being such a uh, empower, a powering and, and so empowering for women. So um, I don't have much more to add than that. Um, yeah. Did you have anything, Deja? Um, I would just like everyone to remember the Mamba mentality and everything that they do, always give it 110%. Don't half-ass anything. Don't half-ass anyone. Just, you know, give it your all. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So we, um, we're we starting, or we started, uh, last year and the year before, we always <clears throat> give a sort of tribute or moment of silence to folks that you know have traveled to the next realm and so now we're you know going to do a little bit of libations um just our way of um sending folks off into the the next um the next realm so that they can be stronger for all of us So that's some libations for Kobe, Gigi, the pilot, and the other families who um, who are in the next room now. So thank you. So um, with that, <clears throat> we do need that strength from the other side <laughs> because uh, we just... Well, we just came out of the State of the Union address. That was yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I was on my call. Um, I'm a part member of um, Climate Justice Alliance. And one of our check-ins was um, folks just, you know, talking about the State of the Union. And it's our Black Caucus. And of the, I don't know, 20 or so people that were on the call, like, you know, for the check-in, like, no one listened to the State of the Union except me and another uh <laughs> me and another person and the reasons that people said they didn't listen to it is because they said they just couldn't tolerate um listening to Donald Trump you know they said they that 
the level of lies and the you know just what he represents like they 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 couldn't sit and like listen to that and i think that that is pretty much the sentiment of a lot of people i know deja you said you didn't listen and Brittany, you said you didn't listen, right? No, I didn't. What did, did was was that re, was that the same reason you guys didn't listen? Was it like mm-hmm. I don't really want to hear this or? No, not even that much energy. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just just like why bother or just so that folks understand. That's all. Um, I'm trying to I think. It goes into <clears throat> to a relevant conversation about politics. That's all. Um, I'm trying to think where I'm. Uh, but just uh, had a normal uh, normal day. I don't have a TV at home. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I could have streamed it, but mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't um, something you wanted to see. I wouldn't even say that much. It mm. just if if I would have known about it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And with doing the podcast more mm-hmm, so, I probably mm-hmm. would have. I probably at least coming into the podcast, maybe YouTube, YouTube right, it right, just right. so I could have seen it. But it wasn't. I got off work. I just this wasn't like in whatever. my zone. Yeah. What about you, Deja? Um, I honestly just got home from work and fell asleep. So. Were you gonna watch it, or were you like, eh, I don't want to watch this? I had intentions of um tuning into it because honestly, I know that like there were some parts that I wouldn't be interested in, but mm. I did plan on t- catching some of it, and I failed. So, but I thought it was interesting. Like a lot of people said, they just, I mean, you guys are, you know, probably like a lot of people, like you know. I didn't care. Yeah, I'll see the Twitter updates, yeah. or, or it doesn't matter, or or like you said, Brittany, like I don't, I was doing me, like whatever. And it's interesting because, like in years past, I'll be honest with you, I have honestly not really cared about State of the Union. I mean, in the sense of, in the years past, the presidents haven't really said much in a State of the Union address. Um, I think the most I paid attention to State of the Union addresses was obviously the times Obama was delivering mm-hmm. them. I mean, that was when that's what that's I'm gonna be honest with you. That was when I became most interested in because I wanted to hear right like what this black president, you know, leader of the free world was going to say. Yeah. And um, that's when I, that's when I really I'll be honest with you before Obama. I, I didn't care nothing about no state of no union address. To me, I'm be honest with you, it was some old white man talking, and it was uninteresting. But um, but I did listen to it, and I just wanted to bring y'all a couple of highlights. Please. And you wouldn't have had to um listen to the speech to to have the conversation that we can have. So one thing is, we keep telling folks that. You know, Donald Trump keeps saying that he um, has done so much for black people. Like he brags. Have you guys heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Him, He's always bragging about how much he does for black people. So one thing he was saying, he was um, really exaggerating about these numbers. And he was um, trying to claim victory in terms of black folks' success. So he's saying that because of him... More black people are employed, more black people are wealthier, you know, um, more black entrepreneurs are being supported. So he and he has all these this like fake data to, quote unquote, prove what he's saying. Um, I think that that type of talk actually um, really, really uh, is destructive towards a reparations conversation because the reparations conversation is around being compensated. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so if he can claim that, you know, uh, he's doing all this, you know, great stuff for black people to be economically, you know, elevated for some reason, then, you know, that kind of when when you're when you're fighting for reparations or folks that have to go into those rooms and fight for reparations, though that type of data is data that gets used to say that, you know, you guys are winning right now and you're okay. Um and then the other thing was I saw he um really was uh trying to also claim victory. Well he was also really setting a divisive tone more than normal, or I'm going to just say more like throwing your, I don't even know what the saying is, your sword in the sand or something, line, drawing lines in the sand to say that he was trying to say that like Democrats are socialists and like, you know, demonizing Democrats as socialists. And number one, Democrats are not socialists. They're just as conservative. It's the same beast as Republicans. They're just as conservative as Republicans. Like it's the same animal. So um obviously it was some you know him retaliating against the you know the impeachment obviously it's him trying to defend himself um but i just you know think that that's really 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 destructive talk the way he's speaking you know like demonizing socialists and socialism or even labeling democrats as socialists right and i think that that is very um damaging because many of the social programs that would go under so-called the you know the, the 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 social benefits that um he's been cutting and destroying like this that talk actually like reaffirms right that okay if we go down this so-called socialist path you know they they just want to use all the resources of the government and, you know, we need less government and basically reinforcing more of honestly, I mean, we, we could say it's on the right white supremacist, but really it's more of a libertarian. It's the more, you know, conservative and um, libertarian views within the Republican party. And so that would be, you know, less oversight over companies that are putting toxins into the air, land, and water, um, less oversight over government agencies that are supposed to regulate these, um, you know, the, these uh, companies, you know, um, less funding to go to programs that will support people who need support, whether it's through health care and, um, you know, health insurance or whether... And, and, and making sure the health insurance rates are lower and that and that folks have, you know, proper coverage for things they need um, or whether it's, you know, less money for public education um, and everything that, you know, goes with that or, you know, uh, less oversight on the food systems, less oversight on drug companies, um, more corporate welfare to all these companies that are polluting and putting toxins and, um, more corporate welfare to corporations. So I'm just saying that his speech, you know, listening to his speech, I felt um, was only important to me because this is an election year. Listening to what I'm saying is because it's an election year. And just to see what he's proposing to come down the pipeline, like it's in terms of like legislation and the way he's talking, 
And because um, when we're thinking about the decisions that we're going to be making, you know, just looking at like whose policies are more, you know, in line for all the things that we're fighting for. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you guys have reactions to anything that I've said about any of that stuff so far, you know, even without hearing a speech or just, you know, any, any of that, or do you have thoughts about those? Um, what my question is, what is the typical point of the state of the union? Is it to give a recap of a pre like what a president's year has been? No, it's the future projection. The future projection. So of, of this is this is what this what um this is my platform for the year, and this is what I'm gonna do. It's like a it's like a board meeting. You know, you know, if you work at a company, it's like a going to a board meeting. You know, when they um beginning of the year, and they say, um, they may give a little recap as to like these are all of the, you know, these are all the great things that I did for you in my presidency. Mm-hmm. And that's like a short portion of it. And then the future is here's my plan for the next year. And here's my plan in economics. Here's my plan with the military. Here's my plan with all these things that, you know, healthcare, um, all these things that are, that are impacted. All these things that the, all these points where the government is going to impact your life. Here's, here's my plan for how this is going to impact you. And, what did what did you uh, with the summed up? What did you think he was saying? How he was going to impact impact your life? Well, I'd say in multiple ways, right? So in a more kind of you know direct way, because we're going to be dealing with election year. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of us, any of the election work that we do, how we talk to people about. Um, about policies that have been impacting folks and about shifts in the policies that will continue to impact them. So he brags about his prison reform, the bail reform, you know, what he's doing for child support. Um, The Republicans, we keep telling folks, have had, they have a budget to um, literally pay black men to not vote. They've been training black men in communities. They've been going to barbershops and going to places in the hood. And I think, oh, my God, it's just so many levels. So, like, we got to start calling these apps out. We got to call them out, right? (laughs) I mean, it's just so many levels because, like, these policies impact us, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so let's just say, like, marijuana law, for instance. So the marijuana law in Michigan, it didn't really go the way that the activists wanted it to go right so it's still not really um i don't want to use the word safe but they made it they pushed that it was going to be recreational Mm -hmm. and they've actually pushed the rhetoric that michigan has legal recreational at the same time though most of these companies in michigan require a drug test right 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 so any like most of these companies that where you're going to make a livable wage, where you can have a career, where you um, have benefits and you can take care of your family, Mm -hmm. you know, buy a house, pay a mortgage, you know, send your kids to college. Most of these jobs, the bulk of the jobs in Michigan have a drug test attached to it. And many of the jobs that I'm going to just say black people, because Detroit is a 
85% black city can get if on a career level have to have um, this higher level of skill, a higher level of certification, a higher level of licensing and a drug test. We all know that policy wise, those are racist policies because many of the white folks don't have to jump through those hoops to get the same freaking jobs. And if, you know, when we're, um, you know, when I like, let's say if I go downtown, if you will, and talk to folks that are in government, the main thing that people that um, a lot of our local government is always pushing is saying that they want to have stronger workforce development. It's something called workforce development, which is training so that you can be skilled and so you can make more money and so you can, you know, have a better quality of life. And then they say, oh, well, a lot of these people, you know, they, when it comes to, let's say, the development, right? So they'll say, oh, these developers are coming and um, they could, you know, when like, let's say there's a, you know, you say, oh, you, ha- you know, we want you to hire, you know, 50 to 60 percent Detroiters. Mm-hmm. If you say you want to hire 50 to 60 percent Detroiters, you know, you're talking about black people. Right. I mean, automatic in Detroit, I'm saying if you say, oh, you have to because if you use a word like Detroiter, you know, you're talking about a black person. Or if you say residents, you're talking about a black person. That's code word in Detroit for black people. <laughs> so it, it just is when you're in a city. Right. Mm-hmm. And so with that, when these developers come and this is just like another example, I don't mean to go all over the place, but because we have so many examples. But this is like <laughs> another example. So the developer comes and, you know, they'll say like, oh, um, you know, we're going to build, I don't know, the uh, Little Caesars Arena, but we're going to bring in all of these white folks from these white supremacist towns that you're surrounded by where all these people have militia and swastikas tattooed on their arm. And they're going to get all the jobs to actually like do the construction and build this thing, this multimillion dollar thing that we don't even have to like give you, you know, resources for like that project in and of itself is so many layers like they actually, the Illiches actually got away with building that project and using one third of the school money. So that money was supposed to go back into the schools, but they actually took the funding that was supposed to go into the Detroit public schools and, and got corporate welfare to build the freaking Little Caesars Arena. And then they got a tax abatement, meaning that they don't, that now that this big commercial thing is built where they're going to make all these bajillions of money they're, they 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 got out of they got, they skated out of having to pay the city of Detroit any taxes so now they get to come there make money scot free took the kids money that we need with the moldy uh you know school buildings and the uh, and lead in the teachers. water and they don't pay the teeth like all that they took that one third of that money for that project and then they hire all white folks like i said and then you know, when folks were trying to fight for those jobs and fight for things, they were like, oh, it's no skilled trades in Detroit. That's BS. Detroit is full of people full. who are beyond skilled in engineering and building and construction, who are licensed, who are, you know, certified, yeah. who are master carpenter, master electrician, ma- full. That's what the see. And they're all unemployed or underemployed. Mm-hmm. And then they bring in all these white folks that barely have a high school diploma, no offense. And then they give them all these jobs. And then they tell us that we have all this unskilled or that we have to skill our workers up as if, as if to like hoodwink us to feel like we don't have skilled worker. Meanwhile, 
they're going to give people drug tests. Of course, if you give black people a drug test, they can't pass a drug test. No offense, but everybody smokes weed, right? And then now that you made weed legal, right? I mean, you know, recreational weed legal. First, they try to do the medical. And now that they've made medical and recreational weed, quote unquote, legal, those same black people cannot go there and get those jobs. Those same black people, are, uh, when they when they redid the weed thing and they redid the 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 you know, the policy on that, then they, um, everybody that had already gone and applied and got their licenses to be like growers or what do you call it? Caregivers and all that stuff. And, um, and you know, have the stores and the, um, they're not called distillery. What are they called? Dispensary. Dispensary. Thanks. All those people, right. They had already invested all, all those black people had invested all that money and all that training, all that certification, all those licenses and all that for their businesses. And then when they changed the law, they told them, oh, all that stuff that you have, that's null and void. You got to get these new certifications in order to be in compliance with this new law. Well, who does that impact? That impacts black people. It, it It's not going to impact the white folks who have the money to go back and get these recertifications, right? It's, it's nothing to them because they haven't been you know, dealing with all the things that the black businesses have had to deal with. And so I could, I'm rambling and I could go on and on, but I'm just saying that when we talk about policy, like this is how policy looks when, um, or this is how policies impact us is mm -hmm. what I'm saying. These are like some of the, these is just a few, right. Of local issues where we say like, Oh, I don't really care about mm -hmm. voting and this and that and that, but because not that many people voted for the other for like not that many stepped up in, in um, support of marijuana law, then the people who did vote put all put these concessions in it. And so the concessions that they put in it was like, oh, but if they have all these certifications. So then it meant that all the people who paid for, cer for certifications were no longer certified. So they get recertified. Interesting. So I'm just saying that like oh, this impacts that impacts that impacts that. And Look at everything that impacts our life, whether it's police, health, fire, um, you know, schools, food, um, transportation. And, the, and it's policies like, you know, for all that. And we're supposed to have a certain amount of money, right, to make sure that people have access to these things, equitable access to these things. We're it's supposed to be safe. It's supposed to be clean. It's supposed to be affordable. It's, you know, water, all these things. And... Um, I'm just saying that to say that all these policies that are impacting us, you know, when we when we're not stepping up to be there to speak for ourselves, there's people speaking for us. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I know I just got passionate. No, no, that was real. That was <laughs> I'm I'm glad you used the examples that you did, um, because I remember right before the elections, one of the things that you, local elections last year, things you were saying to watch out for is how these policies that even if it gets approved, how, how is it going to affect us? Right. I just think it's interesting how it, it, <laughs> policies get passed and they still jam, jam us up. We look at it like, all right, it's legal now. We don't think about the ramifications that come behind it and the systematic, the systematic ra racism that still is behind it. So that's interesting to see you break that down like that. Or even driving. Like, yeah. You can still get what is it called driving under the influence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If they if they you know, well I don't know what they do with weed. 
Because with they, they contextualize, they can, yeah, they contest no. you. No, but with the State of the Union, like I always, I, the reason why I asked that question, um, uh, like what the what its purpose is, is, uh, because even with Obama, when I used to watch his, it seemed like he did a lot of talking about what he did in the past, and based on what he did in the past, you should trust him to, um, to and believe that what he wants to do in the future is going to get done. So with Trump, I mean, you give Trump the opportunity to talk about himself. I mean, we already know, like, it's not about anything but Trump, which Trump, I think,'s position is to be a distraction altogether. But that's a whole nother podcast and this conspiracy. But so to hear, you know, him go into like all the things that he's done. I mean, and it's an interesting time frame because not just because of the 2020 election, I mean, it came out today that he was acquitted. So I wondered when he gave the speech last night, I'd like to know if he knew he was going to be acquitted then. Sure well, everybody knew, right? Yeah. 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 But I mean, what gave him his umph? Like what when he when he wrote the speech, was it on the basis of, of trying to overshadow the impeachment or was it to stick his chest out because he knew how the impeachment was going to end? What I don't would, think it really. I think impeachment was just like a non sequitur. I mean, my personal, I mean, this is going to, I'm going to, I need to get one of those Theron things. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, ooh, when you go in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like, you know, my thoughts on, you know, the whole thing is I feel like our government is being run by a shadow government. Yeah. I feel like the shadow government took over during the Nixon era. Mm. And I feel like after they, I, I feel like the shadow Maybe before then, I feel like the shadow government took over when they killed Kennedy. Mm. And ever since then, um, it's just, yeah. And so um, that's going to sound real crazy and everything, but um, that's what I believe. And so I just believe that, you know, there's been a coup and that that's who's taken over. And Donald Trump doesn't call no shots and he's a mouthpiece and they got him because he's a good actor. Like, like, like Reagan was. 100%. That's my personal belief. Yeah, I read an article that came out. I'm sorry. I read an article that came out in December about um, the military increase that was passed, or the mm-hmm. budget for the military that was passed. And um, they were basically, it was like an interview for this website. I forgot what it was, but they were basically um, saying that um, the people who are funding the military are in the pockets of the people of the politicians. Like say for instance, the company that is making the weapons, the company that owns the metal that's making the weapons, like all of those people are friends with these politicians and they're having them pass these laws to keep funding the military and everything. Like right now we're supposedly in a quote unquote peace, peace time or something like that. Right. But like, meanwhile, war is budding. (laughs) Like mm-hmm. every second, mm-hmm. every that's a great minute. point. Yeah, like, and that's true. Everything you said is really true, and it's true for and and the way in which the military industrial complex reaches over into other areas, right? So, like the police, mm-hmm. like like I keep saying in th- um, Thanksgiving, our police department rolled out its new tanks, and you know that came from. Uh, I think it was a rock war and they left over weapons <laughs> and they was like, and that was from Obama era. Yeah. And they're still cutting like school budgets and government like 
um, assistant budgets to fund this mili- to fund the military, right? And not even just like the soldiers, but the people in the corporate world of the military are still getting like, you know, like it it trickle it hits them first and then it trickles down to the mm. soldiers. So I mean, the soldiers. If we saw, I'm so anti-military, but um, I gotta give love to, you know the soldiers that are on the ground because the soldiers are really our brothers and sisters and cousins. They're not so patriotic. That is a job. That is survival. Most, mm. most of our great yeah, family great members point. that's going to the military are not patriotic. No, they are going there because that is their option besides prison. That's their option you know, out of college. That's their option because they cannot find employment. They cannot find meaningful employment that pays them a livable wage. And they take that risk of their life because they're like, at least I'm going to get some health insurance. I might be able to get some education. Mm -hmm. At least I'm going to pay my bills. And the price to pay is if they actually get deployed and don't make it back. Yeah. And then they tell themselves, well, at least my family will get something. And so, if that, because the military is stealing that from people. Well, if I get back, I get a free college education. I mean, these are the promises. You got to jump through hoops to get that. Like, I have a coworker Mm -hmm. who's just um, got his own house, and he had to jump through hoops to get his own, like, like, there's a a loan financial institution or something Mm -hmm. when you're in the military or in the Army, and he had to jump through hoops to get that. And he's white, like. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, the the so, military they they will they do not take care of their. I was soldiers. just gonna say that. Yeah, it seems that's the that way. they're not racist with that. They just don't take care of these soldiers. There's and, a veteran I passed every morning in Farmington Hills with a sign saying that he needs money. I know mm. who you're talking about too. Mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen I've seen he dresses in a suit. Yeah, old white. Yeah, man. yeah. I know you're talking about. I mean, and and they don't take care of their mental health when they come back. Yeah. yeah. They don't take take care of their families when they get back. They remind me of dead president. As soon as you said they don't take care of their mental health, made mm-hmm. me think about like the movie. Mm-hmm. I know they were traumatized. They, yeah, was. <laughs> that that was a good depiction of black like black soldiers coming back. Yeah, I know, and, and it, especially that time frame too, and what was going yes, on in the hoods. Yes, that was. Crazy. But that's even now, right? Yeah, like, I have a young lady I was mentoring. And she's a veteran. Mm-hmm. This was some years ago, though. So I think maybe like seven, eight years ago, I was mentoring her. And she was a veteran. And at the time, I think she was like maybe mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And she was so, she had like, she had PTSD. And um, she was on a disability, I believe it's called. And she had been discharged from the, she had been um, honorably discharged from the military. And she would come to my space and hang out in the daytime. And she would just cry. Mm. And I would kick it with her and we would talk. And we had an open mic, the No Misogyny open mic. And she would get on the mic once a week and do her poems and just tell these amazing poems and she was so talented and then in the daytime she would come to um you know to visit me at the gallery and then she would she would just break down and cry and and I could tell that she I want to say like really wasn't herself because you could tell like she was be a little bit kind of like not 
all there together. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of like distant kind of when you look at people and you could tell like maybe they're on a drug or something. And she would tell me that um, she was struggling with employment and that it was difficult for her to keep employment because she was had to take this certain drug that made her more lethargic. And she said it, it, it made her not able to really, really be lucid in her thinking and not really a- be able to make like, you know, clear, coherent, you know, um, you know, like uh, communication with people. And she said that it um, it really just took her away from like being present. Mm-hmm. And she said that whatever her orders were from the um, veterans uh, hospital, that in order for her to get her benefits, her military benefits, she had to check in to the veterans hospital on these certain days and times and take this medicine. And she said she kept telling her doctor at the VA that the medicine was making her lethargic and that it was making her not clear and she wasn't able to hold down a job and work. And is there a different medication that she could take? Because also she was suffering from severe depression and she was floating in and out of suicidal um, thoughts and um, tendencies. And the doctor was saying like, no, that that was like a requirement because of whatever her, they, you know, everything in the military is like regimented. So it's like, it's right. not really like, this is good for you. It's like, this is AB one plus two and you're, you know, four five, six, seven, eight. And this is, this is what you need. And, and it was kind of like that. And she was just depressed because she just was in this kind of limbo of like, keep losing jobs because she can't focus and can't function and depression because she can't pay her bills and she doesn't have money because she keeps getting let go from jobs. That's awful. It's like a cycle. It's wild. Oh my God. It's not a lot. And the doctor won't listen to you. Ugh. And he can't, right? Because the military doctor, they on the VA got to keep a certain certifications and things like that. So it's, it's a system. And, and what were to happen? Like when people don't go in for those checkups, what happens to them? Do they, do, do they people lose their benefits? For them? Oh, Mm-hmm. and they need the benefits yeah that's how they're surviving without a job that's why they did it and then they um the, the the amount of benefits that they get doesn't really cover them no so that's why they need the job yeah <laughs> man and then fortunately <laughs> right. she it is. got um honorable discharge it's worse for you if you get dishonorable discharge. You know, because then they, then they, like you said, like your friend. I'm not saying he's dishonorable discharge, but I'm saying that's when you get all the flack, like mm-hmm. about trying to prove, you know, that you deserve to be compensated for right. sacrificing your life, you know, for your country. But that's where the money goes, right? Like you said. And it's through these corporations. So those things are called oligarchs. And it's like a a corporate government. Mm-hmm. It's like the combination of corporation and government. Mm-hmm. And it's where these these corporations are controlling our government. So, and it's in everything. You know, like I said, like, if you're a corporation and, you know, Monsanto, you want to poison people and put GMOs, that's fine. 
they'll be like, okay, we'll just pay the fine. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Right? That happens on lots of levels. We'll just pay the fine. We'll just pay the fine. It's funny, the show, uh, <laughs> the show American Guys that's on Showtime, which is interesting, it kind of like talks, it talks about, it basically is about um, how all these different cultures, it's about migration, immigration, migration, people bringing their religion over, blah, blah, blah. But it, it basically shows how certain gods just turn into they're the same gods but they they evolve so like fire people worship fire right so basically it shows how fire has evolved into guns and with the weaponry that's you know firearms so it was like at a plant where it was one episode it was at a plant where they were doing I can't I don't want to say it was like a like you know a plant for building guns but it was just a plant and it was like fire everywhere it was like a super you had to be super cautious it was like if you're walking on like the you're walking on this beam and on one side of you is some fire and on another side of you is some like boiling hot water and so it was talking about how many in the show was talking about how many deaths occur in the plant but they don't and instead of like revamping the plant to be safer they just go ahead and allow people to die because the I mean they, the paying the fines and paying paying off their insurance is is just much cheaper than them redoing restructuring the whole entire plant. Yeah, like stuff like that. Like that's how people think. That's how that's how it's functioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how the that's how this is all functioning. But back to the State of the Union and and his claims because I'm I'm reading and a lot of the articles and how they are reporting this are fact checking Trump. Yeah. Like how they always do and they Which say, is pointless because yeah, he's lying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how they you know, that's how they cover have they they cover a lot of the stuff that he does. Um but with the reparations and talking to blacks and how how much of that do you think? I mean, I know we talk about the Republicans setting up and having, you know, and and doing a lot of campaigning mm-hmm. inside of black communities and um trying to shift mindsets on what it means to be a conservative. What, what? How much of that do you think affects the black community? And should it when they hear Trump talk about what he does for us? I think like it's not so much like what like let me just say let me just zoom out a little. It's not really like politics. Right. It's not really about like Trump. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, It's about policy. Right. And so policies impact us all policies affect us all and so trump is a good orator he's funny he's entertaining not these are not piper carter opinions this is according to what the you know mass media says (laughs) right so so with that he had great ratings on the apprentice right he was doing all that shocking stuff on apprentice and so in in that sense, right, if we're just talking about like on a mainstream media level, then media is very powerful because on a scientific level, images get burned into your brain, into your subconscious. Mm. And so that is a fact. And that is why I don't watch scary movies. <laughs> Same Piper. That is why I don't watch porno. That's I mean, that's a personal thing, right? And... So pictures and images get put into your brain. The same thing with words and messages and memes and mm. 
um, the messaging that goes into um, controlling what people do, social engineering. And the function of the media is to do social engineering. And that is why the media is one of the most, quote unquote, important um, ecosystems or economic systems because it is a part of the machine. Gotcha. Yeah. And so you've got conservative media, liberal media, radical media, all type independent media. That is the importance of the media is to help shape the hearts and minds of the people so that the people do actions, right? On a purely commercial level, yeah. it's by this particular brand of toothpaste, right? On a more nefarious level, it's adopt these thoughts and ways so that you are now internalized white supremacy and you're criminalizing your own people and not, you know, not, not, not supporting, um, you know, your, your, your own interests. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It has you, it has you doing things that, that go against your own interests. Now there's different levels to this. Some of it, we're able to see some of it. We're not able to see and everything in between. And so er, nothing is like, independent really of anything else it's a complex system and think of it as like an ecosystem where like politics media military government um society like all these things are like interwoven and so they're not separate from each other you get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. the economics of it you know is at the root of it in, in the american system and that's capitalism so and it's the trifecta, capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, right? That's the, that's the American, you know, um, system. And so from that, you've got, you know, military industrial complex, you know, the uh, medical industrial complex, you've got the nonprofit industrial complex. So you have all these other ecosystems that come out of that. And with that, um, there's, uh, you know, funding that goes to make sure that people think a certain way and that people do things in a certain way. Now, that's when that's the matrix, right? That's the when you actually step out of that matrix and you like look at the matrix, then you're able to make some different choices and decisions and things like that, right? Yes. And I'm over generalizing, but I'm just you know for the sake of the time of this podcast. That's how I kind of see it. Yeah. And so I do too. Mm -hmm. So with that, then I'll say that participating is not about supporting candidates in real life. There is no real presidential candidate that supports us right now. In my opinion, I completely agree. Nobody's speaking for Deja. No. Who's speaking for you? None of the candidates at this moment. None of them speak for me. Nobody's environmental policy is that strong no one's economic policy is that strong no one has no one is no one is speaking to black people like we're off the table at this point you know and the the whole thing is all they care about is get trump out of office that's not a policy to me that's not a platform facts because it's not about trump trump is being propped up and supported by the entire system that's keeping him supported. And he is not doing anything different in the history of these United States than the, than the, than the inception of the United States. He is the very embodiment of the, the, this project called the United States of America. Mm. 
And you can look at the 1619 Project and, and look at it from a historical perspective. You could look at any of the any of the policies and systems that are going on now and look at it from a, you know, uh, a science, a scientific perspective. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think that when it comes to, you know, how does this stuff impact me? The all of these policies, that's a fact. Every single policy is going to impact you as as a human being on this planet. Their policies can impact you. It can impact whether you um can enter, you know, go into another country and travel. It can impact whether you can get a certain job. It'll impact whether you can get a license to drive. It'll impact whether you can go to Canada. It can, it'll impact whether you can purchase a business or become or get licensed to become a dispensary. It will impact you, like, you know, whether you can purchase a home, whether you can purchase a car. And, and, and these are all about purchases. What type of food, you know, whether you have access to healthy um foods, you know, organic foods that are not GMOs, whether you have access to clean, affordable water, like all these policies impact us on a personal level. And we're so used to, I'm saying poor people and and, and black people in poor neighborhoods and, and, and everyone else. We're so used to just droning on with the current system. But what I really appreciate about you guys' generation, especially the Gen Z um, and, and, you know, and millennials is that many of your generation sees that that's a matrix and sees that different systems need to be created, that that whole system needs to be thrown out, thrown out and in a new system. And I love to see that you guys create your own systems, mm. but at the same time, we're not like all the way there. Right. Mm-mm. So while we're. Well, we want to be in this utopia where we grow our own food <laughs> and we purify our own water and we do all these wonderful things and somehow still have all this great technology without uh, <laughs> impacting the planet. However, that's going to work out. Being super capitalist. And being right. And, and throwing that away. Somehow in between all of that, there has to be a way that we are, you know, doing less incarceration. You know what I'm saying? Doing less punitive um, causing less harm, you know, supporting one another, building better systems. Like, what is that hybrid? We call it the just transition in the environmental justice world. We co- we would call that a just transition. What is the transition from this terrible, yucky system to the system that regenerates and empowers us and and helps us be sustainable and live our best selves? Like that in between part like the hybrids of what we're doing, like creating solar farms, um, you know, all, what are all, what, what are all the ways in which we can, you know, do better. But, but even that, right. You want to have solar, you want to have community owned solar. Well, right now DTE, which is Detroit's um, monopoly power company or energy company is trying to make it so that community members can't do community owned solar. Like that's a policy. So when folks talk about like they want to get off the grid and things like that, policy will impact that, whether you can even make that a reality or not. Right. So I'm just saying that to say that, like that, that, that that looking at politics to me is really looking at policy. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. It don't have nothing to do with no candidate. The, only, the where it has to do with a candidate is what candidate is going to push that policy. policy. Yeah. That, that's how I see it. And that's, that's, that's all when I'm just keep pushing so when we say we're not participating, 
then what we're saying is that we're going to back out of a system that's impacting us. And we're just going to let other people make decisions about policies that are going to positive, positively or negatively impact us. And me personally, I'm a fighter, so I'm going to go out swinging. I'm like, well, whatever this system is, like, I'm not about to let this system, like, control me, my life, and my loved ones. Like, I'm going to have something to do. I'm going to fight. Like, I'm going to fight and, and make sure that, you know, there's people there that are making decisions that are, you know, that are positively impacting me and my community. I don't know, but that's that's a that's that's a viewpoint, I suppose. Nah. No. I mean I think I think where it, where people don't want to fight or say that they don't want to fight is because they don't they don't have a strong backing of when they fight how it directly affects them. But when you look at people, it's Black History Month, and I hate to be cliche, but during the 50s and the 60s, a lot of what me and Deja and even yourself are experiencing of being able to be in a position to fight is because of the people that came before us. And I think that their fighting is wasn't about them. It was about us. So when you decide to do something, I think in this day and age, I think you talk about a piper. We we talk about success and what it means to accomplish and to have goals and to feel like, you know, we've left this 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 world with make you know making a mark. We don't think about the next generations as much as we used to, and I think you think a lot about that. I think about as our beloved indigenous relatives teach us and our when I say indigenous I mean including our aboriginal um, family and ancestors is that we think seven generations into the future that's deep seven generations that's so deep I'm like two days ago what's today Wednesday uh-huh. Monday I woke up because I do my little prayers at there's something called a twilight hour or twinkling or and it's around 4 a.m. It's between like 4 and 6 a.m. They say it's like the most spiritual time on earth. That's what they say. And that's when I kind of, that's when I talk to my ancestors and do my prayers and things. And on Monday, I was praying this really, I got really into praying my prayer. And I, I really started weeping like really deeply. Um, I, I was, I was thinking about, the universe and the omniverse and into what we would call like the triple black <laughs> darkness of nothing. That's, that was, that was the beginning of the all. Right. And I thought about, and I asked, you know, to be in tune with and to have a more appreciation and gratitude for the amount of love that, actually put forth the idea to create an earth, to create the planets, to create all its elements and to create a being, Mm. to create an animal, to create a human. And as I started reflecting on that, that kind of love or that level of love, my brain couldn't comprehend like that much love, as much love as I have. I was like, wow, the infinite amount of love 
that exists from this all-powerful being to have that much creation. Because think about, like, let's just take it on a, a minute, like, mundane human level. If, if two beings are in love, and we're just talking about heterosexual love, if they come together and they, you know, even if, even if it's one night or five minutes, but there's an amount of love, right, that happens for, for a person to make a creation, an amount of love that it takes to push forth the creation, even a creation that you give away in adoption, but just a creation of creating a whole life. There is a certain amount of love that just naturally kind of happens, right? Even if it's for an instant. But think of like that kind of mundane, minute, you know, amount of love, and then just go to the infinite and think of how much love there is to create all of us and the universes. And it was just like, it was overwhelming. And, and I literally just started crying, like in gratitude, just like, reflecting on all of that you know Mm -hmm. and then for us to have to fight for things we need to live like clean air and clean water and access to affordable housing that there's a price on any of these things that we need in order to survive and that and that there's a notion that certain people deserve to have more access than others I mean just that those types of thoughts and as I was in my prayers I was just really praying for for us you know and uh, and and a lot of things but it's just um when I think of doing this work it's very spiritual for me because for me I'm thinking of seven generations and into the future and I'm thinking of the people who prayed for me Mm. think of people who came back like and and that's the part that really made me cry because when I got to the ancestor part and I thought about our specific ancestors talking about those who crossed the Atlantic, you know, in the, in the transatlantic slave trade and whose souls are still trapped, you know, in the water. Those who didn't make it, the ones who's trapped between here and Canada that didn't make it, right? Those souls, the ones who who killed their babies, because they didn't want them to be slaves. The one who killed themselves because they didn't want to be slaves. The ones who, who saw that and were like, we're going to, we're going to make it. We're going to survive. The ones who, who prayed ahead and prayed for us and thought, if I don't make it, I want my generations to make it. The ones who had the foresight to think that far into the future that prayed for us when they didn't even know us, they didn't even know we existed, but they had that much love the creator put that much love into them that they just were propelled mm. forward to to create us you know yeah. Yeah. and i think about like who who are we and like what do we like what are we doing here like why are we here and what are we doing while we're here these are types of thoughts i have when i'm like deep in prayer and deep in thought and yeah so for me when i think about those seven generations i'm also being grateful for the seven generations Just before me mm-hmm. that propelled me here so that's anyway powerful. i didn't mean to go deep into no all that, i mean that's that i mean it was beautiful <laughs> humbling i mean because the point is is policy and the overall point of what we're talking about is policy and how it affects us and we all think about the now and if i say i don't see it's not affecting me right now like i'm good you know what i mean it's we have to be we have to learn especially our people have to learn to stop thinking about the now and think about how it's going to affect those seven generations. That just the just that shift of mindset 
alone helps. But there is a, is a level of compassion. That's mama mentality. Yeah. But there's a level of compassion that you've got to come to as well, right? Yeah. Because also, too, I pray for compassion. Because this world that we live in is hard. And it's hard on us. It's hard on our minds. It's hard on our bodies. We just talked about all our relatives that are locked up or in the military or whatever that you've dealt with, or even in your own home, mm-hmm. or even, shoot, all of us. Think of all of the mental stress that black people go through. Agreed. And all the things. And just think of, so asking someone that's under all this stress and pressure to step outside of their pain, that's a lot. But that is what we're asking. We're asking people to step outside of their own personal pain and to and to step into a place of love. But if people haven't ever experienced a deep love like that, like me, I experienced very deep love. I experienced it all my life. I've experienced people loving hard on me, loving strong on me. I like a lot, a lot, a lot, like a really deep amount of love. But I'm but I'm also I understand that that many of our people have never experienced people loving them, people caring about them and people, you know, wanting them to be better and greater. And so a lot of our people have had to develop a callus around their heart to survive. And it is, it is a lot to then ask people, well, we need you to go, you know, vote. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like voting seems so trite. It's like who who gonna who gonna take care of me, and that's that's and so it is a it is a difficult shift, but I think it also requires that we also have enough compassion to be patient with folks, understand where folks are. That's a great point, yeah, and help folks understand how this does. Let me help you understand how this does impact you, because that is important. I need you in this fight. I need you in the game. It's like a coach. You can't just be like, well, get it together and get on out there. That's not a good coach. <laughs> a good coach knows how to get inside your mind and motivate you. That's true. And that's that's what we got to do. We got to coach our people into 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 making decisions that are going to positively impact them. So that I don't know. That's where I kind of get it from. Love it. State of the union. Ah, I spent too much time on that topic. No, but, um, I mean, now we, <laughs> we needed that. What you think, Deja? We needed that, right? Yeah. Let's well, you know see. what? I'm gonna let Deja go into her. Um, if we, if we, we can talk. We got some time to talk about this other topic. I think, right? Yeah, we got plenty of time. So let's, so let's do. Um, let's let's listen to Deja talk talk to us about music and arts or whatever the topic was you're gonna bring. Um. Well, I kind of just honestly wanted to hear your guys guys' thoughts on the Jay Z sitting down during the Super Bowl. During the national anthem, but yeah, let's talk Super Bowl. That was that was my wait. I'll be right thing. back. Y'all talk about. It, I'll be right back. All right, all right. So you watched the Super Bowl? I did not watch the Super. You Bowl. You know the teams who played? No, barely. Me I don't too. even know. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all. Y'all up. still got the halftime show too? Yeah, yeah. We got a lot to talk about yeah. with the Super Bowl. I mean, I think the interesting thing about the NFL and where it stands is that. We were supposed to be boycotting it, right? Yeah. We were all supposed to be. Oh, what was that like? It's a, what but is you this? know, niggas gotta watch the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl now. So yeah, so we got the Super Bowl. It's been how many years since Kaepernick? Let's look that up. I gotta, I gotta see that. I feel like it's been a good four, four, 
Maybe four years. I feel like it's four years. Let's see here. I think so too. I feel like it's been, I think it's been about that amount of time. I just think it's interesting how much of an effect that Kaepernick has had on football, the NFL, um, and just even even with Jay-Z being involved and us even about to get into Jay-Z sitting down and like all of that is still based off of Kaepernick. Like if if Kaepernick never existed and Jay-Z was sitting down, I don't know if it would have been that big of a deal. I don't think Jay-Z would be involved in the NFL if it weren't for Kaepernick. See, see, that's that's why. Like, I, well, I I won't say that because he he had his hands in basketball, but I feel like well, from from a political standpoint, he would not be involved if if Kaepernick had not taken his stance. See, that's what I'm I'm trying to figure out, like the the timeline on this because, and I've been trying to figure this out for a while. I just haven't dug deep deep enough now. I remember when, um, I think it was two years ago or three years ago. Let me let me just look this up. But I'm, where I'm getting at is is that Jay Z was asked to do Super Bowl and he turned it down. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember if Kaepernick was going through his situation. He was before they asked him that he was so he was going through it before. Yeah. So then they approached him and they asked him to do the Super Bowl. And in this recent article. He said he turned down the Super Bowl because of how they asked him to do it. They asked him to have Rihanna. They asked him to have Kanye West. And they specifically wanted him to perform Run Run This Town. And he said no. Because he wanted full control. They weren't going to tell him what song to do and what people to bring. So he turns it down. And then, um, so he was wearing a jersey. He was wearing all the jerseys and doing the shows with Kaepernick's jersey on before he had, I'm I'm assuming, got asked to do the Super Bowl. Because I think all that is so important. Like, we're talking about going back and thinking about, like, when when would you you say this Kaepernick stuff started? When did did Kaepernick start kneeling? Was that like? (sighs) Well, we could look it up. But I think just in terms of, like, um, was it the Mike Brown was the first, um, I think it was a little bit after. I think it was further after that. Was it? Okay, no, because Mike Brown was the um, hands up, don't shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then what was, um, let's see. Did you see it like Kaepernick? I think 16, 2016 yeah. was when he started it. So when, and who was that? And it was one of the, um, um, it was one of the. I'm looking. Young people that, um, unfortunately, his life had been taken. And um, that was the entire uh, reason, you know, for the uh, beginning of the, the, the kneeling. Which, if I'm not mistaken, initially, Kaepernick started sitting. Yeah. And then um, there was a um, this player... <clears throat> that um and then they did like a whole thing oh Kaepernick's sitting down he's sitting down and then there was a player who um I'm trying to think who uh who the player was but he um was in a, no he was in a military and when it was a military a, a, a person that was in the military 
And he reached out to Kaepernick and talked to him about uh, about sitting and was saying, if you actually want to do a do a um, a proper tribute, then you would kneel. Right. If you want to do a tribute to the um, young people that have died as a result of police terrorism, then instead of sitting, you should kneel. And then that's when he started kneeling. But I remember it really it started out with the uh, with the sitting. And then um, I still don't see the person. OK, it says here um, that he do, 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 do. right okay so i found what i'm talking about right now so it says that um it says that the that in the fourth in the 49ers fourth and final preseason game kaepernick kneeled during the u.s national anthem to show more respect to former and current u.s military members while still protesting during the anthem after having a conversation with former NFL player and U S military veteran, Nate Boyer. After the September, 2016 police shootings of Terrence Crutcher, rest in peace and Keith Lamont Scott, rest in peace. Kaepernick commented publicly on the shooting saying, this is a perfect example of what this is about. Um, so, yeah, there's some more things, but long story short, um that yeah, that's when that's when all this kind of started. But um the reason why I asked is because yeah. I was telling Deja I'm trying to timeline it just because I, I I'm just trying to make sense of it. Um okay, I Which see part? it now. I see now. So, in 16 17, Kaepernick started kneeling to bring awareness to pro, uh police brutality. And in 17, the NFL asked Jay-Z to do the halftime show for the Super Bowl. And they asked him to do it um, with Kanye West and Rihanna so that they could perform around this town. And in a recent article, he said his biggest gripe with them asking him to do the Super Bowl wasn't Kaepernick. He didn't say it wasn't Kaepernick, but... Since we're on the topic of Kaepernick, I say that. But it was because of the lack of creative control that they were giving him. He took he took he took disinterest in the fact that they weren't like Jay. We want you to do the Super Bowl and you can do what you want. Like, mm-hmm. go for it. His thing is, is you don't you don't tell me what to do and how to do it. So he turned it down. Mm. So from seventeen to nineteen, when the NFL was approaching other rappers. And mm-hmm. when they were approaching, uh, you know, R&B singers, yeah. pop singers to do the Super Bowl, Jay-Z apparently, allegedly, were, was calling them and saying, hey, chill, we got this thing going on with Kaepernick. You know, we're we not doing it. We're not doing the Super Bowl unless, you know, until, until, until to be determined, until we figure it out. Yeah. So then, you know, of course, he signs the deal. What is that? Which he... Jay Z, he signed the deal what, with the with the NFL. What in nineteen last year? That he it, it would could do, have been earlier, but I think so. Where he would uh, handle the halftime performances? Yeah, curate it. Mm-hmm. But also, when did Beyonce come into it? Yeah, when did she do the Super Bowl? 
Wasn't that 17? I thought it was 17. So that still could have been a Jay-Z thing. Right? I mean, I'm making this up, but... Let's see. Um, also in 2016, Kaepernick founded the uh, Know Your Rights camp. Um, and they give... Um, they give different seminars mm. and things. She um, did it in 16. So she did it in 16. She did it. So let's see here. But that was when. No, 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 no. No? Because no. I'm saying Kaepernick was doing his thing in 16. She No, she did. Okay. Well, Beyonce Super Bowl? Yeah, so Beyonce. She did, it early, she did the Super Bowl in like February of 2016. And then he nailed that following season in the fall, oh, like August or September. Mm, or something that's like that. wild. So she does it in 16. Kaepernick, you said, nails in August of 16. That's what, six, seven months later? Yeah. Then Jay-Z gets offered to do the Super Bowl in 17, turns Security. it down. Mm-hmm. Then in 19... I mean, so from 17 to 19, he advises people not to do the Super Bowl. Travis Scott, Jermaine Dupree. Which he? he? Jay-Z. Yeah, J-Lo is a Rock Nation affiliate. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah. He, he inks the deal. Yep. His client. To do the rock, curation. To do, to, to do the curation. Mm-hmm. And J-Lo, one of his clients of mm-hmm. Rock Nation, is presented to do, you know, she's she's chosen to do the Super Bowl. Right. So it's just interesting, you know, a lot of people, when Jay-Z chose not to do the Super Bowl, I went back and looked at the media and how they were responding to it. It was a big thing, him turning it down. And everyone in hip-hop congratulated him. He was just off the cusp of 444. They were saying Jay-Z was making a turn as far as becoming a a, a political activist. This but we a- all know how long it takes to make deals, so he probably already had had that deal made. If you announce a deal... You don't announce it That's until true. you've signed it. That's true. And it can take any it can take any anywhere from, you know, a year to to a decade to like ink a deal. I mean, I would be I would venture to say that though that if Beyonce was performing already, this is just me guessing. This is no facts. I've got to look all these facts up. This is just me guessing. If Beyonce's performing Right. Already. That means that how many how many conversations have happened for that to be a decision for it to then be manifested. Mm -hmm. So that means that those conversations could have started then. That's true. When 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 it was decided that she was going to be doing the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that he's already been in talks with people. Right. And And the reason why I think it's interesting that we talk about it is because people think they know like so much firsthand why Jay-Z is or isn't doing something. He's this, he's that, or it's just interesting to me. There's so much that goes on to your point behind closed doors that take time, that take the right people that we never see. So what we get are the end result and what's supposed to be marketed and what's supposed to be advertised and what's supposed to be um, the media run. So it just, to go back and to think about how all these things fell into place. Then you got Jay-Z rocking a Kaepernick jersey being, a, you know, being. He's got a rocket. I mean, being, if you're hip hop, right? Yeah. And you're not Kanye West. If hey, you're hip hop, then you've got to play the role. Yeah. If you've got, you know, if, if, if you're Jay-Z and you know that the bulk of the people who are your constituents or people who would, you know, support anything that you do 
you've got to maintain a certain level of authenticity in order to maintain your brand. That's yeah. just a business decision. Whether he wants to, whatever your personal belief, whatever his personal beliefs are on a business level, he's got to keep his constituency, you know, uh, at least believing a certain narrative. But so you got 444 standing behind Kaepernick and turning on the NFL deal within the, without, within the three year time span. Yeah. And those could be products. You could look at those like products or you could look at those like income streams or you could look at those as a part of your marketing campaign. Inks the deal or yeah. inks the deal uh, at the top of the year. And Charlemagne asks, what about Kaepernick? His response is, is Kaepernick. I'm paraphrasing. Open the door. Now we got to have some actionable items. Remember, everybody was yeah. memeing the actionable items thing. So this is the NFL deal is an actionable item. Yeah. So a lot of people were like, uh, halfway there, like, chill. We don't know what's going on. Give Jay some time. Uh, because people want, because this is going to sound so bad, but people believe in capitalism. And in the black community, capitalism is a tenant. Pe- black people love capitalism. Let's just be real about it. So you got Travis Scott, you got Jermaine Dupree, you got and Jermaine Cardi Dupree, B, and remember all Jermaine of them Dupree are like caught all that flack. And then when, was, remember that? Well, yeah, I'm, the, everybody was kind of like, well, what about all these artists that turned down these that you caught and were telling yeah. not to, to do these shows, and now you run the show? So did you? I, I just wonder what those those conversations really were. And they're they're about capitalism is Jay. And so so boom. So that happens. Jay-Z is at the at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, I paraphrase through the actionable items thing. He does the whole press conference, says that, you know, this is the, them having more creative control is, you know, is in a good is a good position for where their relationship needs to be with the NFL for the players for the you know for us to be represented more in the in the media side of the the entertainment side of the NFL boom 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 so super bowl jlo and deja they were sitting down what you think about that i feel like they well you informed me earlier that they said that they were sitting down because blue was basically being a busybody yeah. i don't believe that you can lean over and get your child together <laughs> like and blue is old enough and it seems like, I mean, not to say that she's not a child, but she seems very mature. I don't believe that she was cutting up. She has a record. She has like a, she's got records. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, honestly, that's I how you play that. both sides. Yeah, it I is. was just. That's how you play so, the but, it, it, but at the same time, from our side, I mean, he's looking kind of funny in the light to me. It's like, how can you, why? If you say that you sat down to get blue together, that's fine. But Let's, why not just, you know, why didn't you say that you sat down, period, or in general, that you were going to sit down anyway? Why not just take that stance and say, I sat down because Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. I sat down because I still don't believe that America is looking out for the interests of African-Americans or people of color in this country or whatever would have put him in a favorable side to black people. He took... He's he sat on the fence and he sat his family on the fence with him. So, yeah, I mean, to me, um, mm. what does it say? We hold these truths to be self-evident. <laughs> I'm a businessman, you know. Yeah, I'm a business businessman. I'm a businessman. Yeah, right. 
Mind your business, man. I mean, he just told you. So, you know, it's all about capitalism. Capper, Nick, and capitalism. That's what it is for Jay. Cap and cap. And so people were upset about Capper Nick saying, you know, sending a tweet that said, I thought that we were past kneeling. And oh, because he was a little salty. <laughs> yeah. Well, so people were the media, a lot of like the you, the the real ta- talk table and all those whatever. Mm-hmm. Red table you know, talk. Yeah. All mm-hmm. those different little shows like, you know, they do what we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, went back and forth. And a lot of a lot of people were saying, you know, Kaepernick should have kept his mouth closed. Um, that's that. Don't don't be catty during a time like this. Then a lot of people said they don't know how to read Jay-Z. Um, a lot of people were like, what is he, what, one people just wanted to know, was it a political statement? What was he trying to accomplish by sitting down? Um, so it's just interesting to see how people try to read him. I mean, but think about it. He's a, um, a mogul Mm -hmm. and he knows media. Mm -hmm. So he's not ignorant. It's not like he was like, oh, I have no clue. Right. (laughs) So. He, these are discussions. He, I'm a business man. So he, how many discussions do you think they had as a business, as a family business to say, you know what? We could, we could sit. That's the, oh, we could sit. And then, and that was the decision that they made. And I'm, that's where I'm going to leave it. No facts, all opinion, but that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Deja. I was going to say, we can leave it there. I'm good with that. You good with that? Mm -hmm. J-Lo, Shakira, best halftime performance ever? No. Oh, my God. And then J-Lo said she wanted the whole thing. It was 10 minutes. I thought it was a half hour. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, wait. Time out. I know we said we were pinning it. But I'm your girl, Wendy Williams. Oh, I didn't see. Oh, my God. Her talking about Jay-Z and Beyonce sitting down. Oh, no. She said, if you don't like our country, you can leave. I promise to God, Wendy Williams said that. Wait, she said to Jay Z, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you don't uh, like our country, you can leave. To excuse me, to Kaepernick, to the whole thing about kneeling. Oh. Her perspective is, if you, if don't, you don't like, like our, our country, country, leave. Oh, that's her sponsors. Yo, that's just wild to me. She's getting yeah, paid. Yeah, she's her show is on Fox. Yo, that is wild that she said that. that like, no, it's not. That's her sponsors. That's who's paying for her show. That's who's yeah, paying for her, her furs, that car, the the next face implant or whatever you get. Her divorce. <laughs> her divorce. All right, y'all messy. But Is I just, that messy? I'm just playing. If that's how she's living. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> truth be told, she's like, from the hood, she black, and she know like we know. And <laughs> for her why to say Whit- something like that. That's why Whitney Houston cut into her the way she did when nah, she that's did. That's one of the was, best interviews rest ever. Rest in peace, Nippy. Got her rest ass together the peace. right way. <laughs> No, that was perfect. I wish I had. We should put a clip. That was Black she History, did. and she had her ship too, didn't she? Yeah, because they both from Jersey, and yeah. she knew Whitney knew she the real thugs. Card, yeah. <laughs> the real East Orange. She knew the real. Are you playing with the volume? I had to it was screeching. Oh, you didn't hear the screech? I didn't. I just was talking. Then I was like, "Hello." <laughs> Um, what was yeah. I going to say? Uh, but yeah, I just, that, when I was like looking through, looking to see how different people were reacting to the whole sit down thing, when I heard her say that, I was like, wow. Well, shouts out to East Orange real quick. East Orange, New Jersey. Sorry shouts about out. that. I just, I just, you mentioned Jersey, so. You had to shout them you out. You didn't mention Jersey, but you mentioned, who you know, well, you know, 
because Whitney, Whitney, you know, and also, you know, Wendy's from Jersey, too. So, you know. All right. But um, 10 minutes felt like 30 for the halftime. It felt like an hour. I don't know. It was I mean, it was only 10 minutes, right? Yeah. The halftime show. It felt long. I was like, when is it going to end? I feel like. Internet is saying Shakira outperformed Jayla. She yeah, did. She that's what I heard did. too. She did. All my coworkers were telling me that she did, because Jayla was boring, and my thing was like, she always was boring and corny. Dang, y'all don't like Jayla. She was. It's cool not my as cup a of tea. Fly girl and like, um, <laughs> what was that movie? Enough was good. Like she, she said Selena. Selena. Oh yeah, Selena. Well, she did her thing in Selena. I'll that, give it to her. That was given, but like. I don't... Jenny from the block? No. Dang. Shout out to Ashanti. Ashanti made J-Lo. Let's just put that out there. You can fact check that. Uh-oh. All right. Yes. <laughs> All right, Ashanti. <laughs> I believe it. Shout out to Ashanti. Shout out to Ashanti. J-Lo. That's my... my that, I, I don't the, really mess with Ashanti. industry labels, like, they took Ashanti's songs and gave it to J-Lo. They didn't let yeah. Ashanti oh, keep her songs. Yeah. You know, they said the that Earth about Marie. that Marie track was a top... Uh, one made one of the top songs of the decade. Uh, is this one thing that yeah. that was supposed to be a J Lo track, and they stole it back from J Lo? Well, so, that was um. Well, there's a couple of videos online that talk about the beef between Tommy Matola and Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. and how Tommy, which was Mariah Carey's husband, which was the head of Sony, yeah. but how Tommy Matola <laughs> was the one that was giving Irv Gotti the um you know ability to be able to um put you know the 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 some of the mariah songs on to you know with irv Gotti. and so it was so that whole thing kind of kind of kind of kind of started with tommy matola trying to trying to get at mariah Mariah. Mm. and so that's how that whole thing went down with the with with the Irv Gotti thing, but um yeah, Mariah and, still shades her to this day. <laughs> yeah, and that was you know I mean and that's what capitalism does, right? Mm-hmm. You know it it creates disloyalty because you know what I'm saying like J Lo trying to come up, she's trying to do her thing, and at that time you know Tommy Matola, I mean probably even now, but at that time Tommy Matola was like the top. You know what I'm saying, and so. Yeah, like if he's gonna help you in your career, like that's your ticket in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that that's the thinking. I'm saying that's that's the thinking. You know that 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 those going on. But but anyway, to me, J Lo. I mean, I think she's really pretty, and I loved her in Selena. That's all I got for <laughs> J Lo. J Lo, all right. Um, she's she, boring. I'm, she could, I can live without her. I can live with her. She's cool. She uh, whatever. But a lot of people were saying that. We're questioning: Was this halftime performance a political statement? What do y'all think? Um, the heart. This this is where I, this is where I'm challenged with it. Okay, because they were both kind of white passing Latinx people, and people were complaining that halftime was in Spanish and all this other thing. But it was in Miami. They're they're in Miami. It's a Latinx culture. dominant you know, city. But to me, I feel like all of this stuff, like they're white passing Latinx people. And maybe it was a, maybe it was a political statement, but I mean, to me, 
it it was pop music to me what I saw was pop music and pop artists and their Latinx people I'm glad that Latinx culture and Latinx people got featured I'm glad that they was singing in Spanish yeah I'm glad that we got to hear different forms of Latinx music. That's real. But I don't believe that this was in any way a political. I mean, okay, how about this? Let me take that back. It was slightly political, but to me, it wasn't as radical as I'd like to see them <laughs> go hard in the paint on Latinx culture. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No. I want to see. Now, now put Amara La Negra on there. And now we talking. I got you. You know That'd what I'm saying? Beautiful. <laughs> oh my god. Now we talking. You see what I'm saying? Like yes. do a Celia Cruz tribute, and now we talking. I got you, pipe. But I'm saying like J Lo, and and uh, Shakira are like lukewarm. Well, what do you think she, about the tongue thing? Sorry, Deja. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and that's what I was just gonna <laughs> say. Like the tongue thing was supposed to be commemorative <laughs> to what like enslaved people mocking their slave masters or something like that. I heard that's it. a good one. And then there there was like um, a dance move that she did some footwork that was um, also indigenous to slaves or something along those lines um, in Spain. So she had some 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 homages in there, but okay. Well, I mean, you know what? No, Uncle Luke. Yeah, I think it was uh, no Trick Daddy, no Trina. That would have been too much. I mean, I feel like. The emphasis on the Latinx artists is needed. I mean, I appreciate okay. that there was a halftime show focused on Latinx artists. We need we need more of that. We need more, you know, um, you know, Spanish in the mainstream. We need more culture in our mainstream. I'm with it. I'm with that part. But I'm yeah. just saying I don't feel that having two white passing pop artists you know, is so radical. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, no, that's just you, my personal come on, opinion. Pipe, that's all I'm asking. I just am interested to see with the second year in, if it's going to be a hip-hop show next year, if it's going to be a country music show next year. I just want to see how, like, this is just one of the most interesting things. Like, you can't... I want to see, you know, uh, you know, some artists. I want to see artists from India. I want to see artists, you know, uh, that are from, you know, different cultures other than just, you know, the top three Neapolitan flavors <laughs> that get, you know, Regional promoted <laughs> in America. We we have so much culture in this country and there's such a xenophobia and there and the idea of being American is to erase one's culture and water down into like this really neutralized culture that is america which is pop which is like vanilla ice cream with walnuts <laughs> <What>? <laughs> raw walnuts <laughs> with raw walnuts <laughs> like or like a freaking bologna sandwich on wonder bread with mayonnaise <laughs> and and, a, and craft cheese like that sounds so great it sounds like that's what they want things to be like that Taylor Swift Americana film that's on Netflix. But I guess what I'm saying is that like America acts like, oh, we're not. They always say, oh, we're not ready for this or we're not ready for that. We are how many, you know, thousands of years into being ready for, you know, showcasing, you know, culture. I don't know. I just feel like those conversations bore me 
and they're very mundane when people ask questions like, you think America's ready for this or ready for that? We're like, the expiration date, this milk is spoiled. Agreed. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's been time to have, you know, I'm ready for, you know, all type. Like, I want to see it all. I want to see just culture. Give me culture. Like, you know, I want to see it internationally. I want to see our cultures represented all the way indigenous culture you know what i'm saying and not no damn redskins uh tomahawk dance or no you know white folks with feathers on and war paint you know what i'm saying singing indigenous chants like that's not what i'm talking about either well I want to. I really want Deja to touch on. Um, we. I want to get a little bit into the coronavirus, but we can really get into it next week too. Okay. Because I think with Deja and I were talking about it. I think Saturday about the beauties of the body of our bodies, and we forget that it's such a self healing. That we are filled with self healing components, mm-hmm. and I think we forget it uh, just based on. The FDA, the capitalism that we've been talking about all episode, we for you know we're sold things on a consistent base. We're sold mm. Pringles, hot Cheetos, uh, medium steak from from God knows where the steak came from, uh, medium tuna, ahi tuna. You know, not getting on people who en- enjoy meat, but the point I'm making is is that we don't live in a society that reminds us about our bodies being so self-healing. Mm-hmm. So I really want Deja to 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 get into uh, these movies because I think they specifically go into a little bit of the coronavirus. And next week we can get into some nutrition and nutrition and health. Piper, I think the last, you know, you've, you've been a vegan for a while, but I think for like the last, I'd say two or three weeks, it's interesting to see how you've really, really like uh, have zoned in into, you know, upping your self-healing capabilities within your body with all the greens you've been eating and mm-hmm. just getting back. I mean, not to say that you weren't all, we were off track, but it just seems like you're really zoned in. You yeah. Know? I mean, you know, you only got one life to live. Yeah. So, so I mean, well, this time around in this body. Yeah. On this planet. And taking care of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could, we could, we'll get into that next week, but the coronavirus is, is, is interesting. Um, just because I, I think viruses in general are are very intriguing and in how they come about. And I think uh, there's a couple movies, Deja, that I think that you saw or that, that are out that you kind of wanted to talk to. Yeah, Parasite, the main one that's winning awards right now. is mm-hmm. a really good movie. Um, basically, like, what would happen if there was this plague in, I believe it was in Korea, where... Um, like where people just turn in, into zombies and mm. how they handle that and how their culture deals with that. So it was a really good movie and I'm excited to talk about it next week with you guys. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that was a good, like I'm, I'm amped now with your yeah. promo. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you guys have any insight or, or just any thoughts about the coronavirus? Just, I think com- I'm going to share mine next week, next but week? just on a preliminary yeah. level, I feel like, it is a way to also have us hate Asians. I could see that. I think it's like a, a like a hate, like a fear and I've, hate Asian promo. I've never seen so many people 
act like it, it it's unreal how uh, the some of the comments that i've heard yeah. ignorant comments i've heard jokes or not jokes people right. are dead ass yeah. when they say some of these things it's disgusting it is and so, so i agree with you i think so too but i think i can hold most of my comments till next week okay tight lip next well, week well would you guys like to talk about our black history person of the night yes yeah who wants to go first well i think we agreed on the same one is it, oh. Can it be Jay Dilla? Yes, it can be Jay Dilla. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Are you, you cool with that? Hey, I love Jay Dilla. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys know about Jay Dilla? History or that I you can share? I know that he was born in Conant Gardens. And um, he created, well, he didn't create it, but he was one of the founders of Slum Village along with T3 mm-hmm. and Baten. Um, studied under the great Amp Fiddler. You guys can actually watch. Uh, there's a show on Netflix about it. Um, hip hop something. I can't think of what it's called, but Netflix is highlighting like important people in hip hop. I watched the first episode last night where they were talking about um, New Orleans. They were kind of talking about how bounce music came to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it called the Get Down? No, it's no, the that's a, that's not that's a, a different. Um, yeah, yeah, the Get Down is a non. That sounds re- that sounds real good though. They yeah, did, they, they did. were talking about Master P and um, Manny Fresh and how they both kind of got mm. their starts. I didn't know that Manny Fresh's father was like a super huge DJ in Louisiana, like mm-hmm. historically. And that's where Manny Fresh learned how to do so much. And even his dad got tired of Manny Fresh, like <laughs> skipping tracks on the, like shout yeah, out to Manny Fresh. Like, He's super creative. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jay Dilla is featured on episode four and Amp Fiddler wow. is also mentioned in it. So let's give Amp his flowers while he's here. Too. Yes. We got to get him on the show. Yeah. Yes. Pipe. We'll get him on the show. I love Amp. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> And what about you? I mean, I I got on a Jay Dilla train uh, late, thanks to you. Though I mean, I knew Jay Dilla, heard a few tracks, but I'll say to you that I didn't realize that this man was dealing with um, how he passed away on on his deathbed and made don made donuts one of the most amazing albums of all time. You hear the Knife Wonders, the Kanye West. I mean, I grew up on Kanye '04, like. Yeah. Oh, with the sample, but all that was Dilla. And to watch documentaries and to hear Kanye West, the narcissist of hip hop, <laughs> talk about that everyone needs to bow to Jay Dilla. Mm-hmm. Like there is there is no other Supreme. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, Dilla is special. Mm-hmm. Very special. A lot of people say that he's the first people to, first person to make the soundboard talk, mm-hmm. make, a, make give it life. Make it into like a human. So, yeah, Dilla. Wow. I think for me, um, you know, he created the genre of neo soul. He, um, you know, when I first was introduced to Jay Dilla, it was after he was passed and it was through on a mixtape. And I was still living in New York City. <clears throat> and I believe it was um, either 2006 or 2007. And I think it was 2006. And um, I was just like, wow, this music is incredible. And then I started doing my research and that's when I started, you know, really learning about his history. And then I moved to Detroit in 2008 and um, was able to meet DJ Dez, who um, was the DJ for Slum Village and um, started, became friends with him 
and would ask him, like, how come, you know, in New York City, there's all these, you know, tributes to Jay Dilla, like, all over the world, and Detroit doesn't have anything. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's difficult, this and that. And I met, he introduced me to, like, this whole world of Detroit hip-hop, and I got a chance to meet Kendra Parker, who had created um, the Jay Dilla Foundation, and told her that I was interested in doing, you know, a tribute. And then we worked together to create um, this amazing tribute where we raised money for the Jay Dilla Foundation. And we did that a couple of years. And then Kendra um, moved on and did some other things and passed on the foundation to Jay Dilla's mother. And then um, we continued at 5e Gallery to do Dilla tributes. And in 2011, we decided um, to create Dilla Youth Day. So I created Dilla Youth Day in 2011. I'm a little sad that we're not doing it this year, but the reason we're not doing it is because Dilla's Uncle Herm, Mm -hmm. who um, created a business called Dilla Donuts, which is a donut shop here in Detroit, family-owned business. Delicious, too. And the proceeds go to Dilla's children. Uncle Herm was diagnosed with cancer and um, is in recovery right now. And he did a huge GoFundMe to raise 15000 He surpassed the goal of like 17 and change. And um, as you know, with cancer, it's very important for people to concentrate on their healing. And so what we want to do is just ask everyone to, you know, support his healing and concentrate on his healing right now and we'll we'll be back next year with a bigger and better you know Dilla Youth Day but this year we want to say let's just focus on the family and focus on you know just sending them some positive energy and some love and sending him some healing love um and I think that's really important right now um but then I'll say you know my favorite Dilla song is F the Police <laughs> and I always tell this one story, but I'm going to tell it again real briefly. When we uh, we had 5E, we would have, uh, for Dilla Youth Day, we have Urban Strings Youth Orchestra. And the first year that we did it, I think they performed, and then they performed like some Lady Gaga, because that was like all they knew. And we were like, oh, Lord, we got to get them to learn something about Dilla. But um, before we actually even did that one, um, we had Amp Fiddler and Nick Speed, shouts out to them, on a panel for a Dilla tribute that we had done, like, before then. Mm-hmm. And so when, uh, at the end of the panel, we had had, you know, Urban Strings Youth Orchestra had done, like, some of their recital stuff. And then I asked them, okay, let's do a freestyle. And they looked at me like, what is that? These are violin students, right? Violin, viola, cello, bass. They were like, um, what's that? And I was like, just play, just have fun, just improv. And they were like, no, we don't have the music. We, we need music. We don't. And it hit me. I was like, oh, no, because improvisation is the heart of black music. Mm. Whether it's jazz, blues, gospel, soul, African music, hip hop. The art of improvisation is the root of black music. So to see these kids that were from the hood that were telling me, first of all, the word can't because can't when I was growing up, that's not in your vocabulary. 
my family would always say, we are Africans. We're not African. <laughs> but, uh, but so when they were saying that they can't do something like that was already like, I was triggering me like, yes, you will. You know, but, uh, but I was just like, you guys can do it. I know you can. I believe in you. And, and Fiddler started, you know, encouraging them and Nick Speed was encouraging them. And then they, they, they tried and they picked at it a little bit. You know, I was like, you know, don't you know how to pick that thing with your fingers and stuff? And they were like, what are you talking about? But they tried it and it was amazing. And that's when I was like, this, this has to be what it's about because how do we have this whole man that inspired the entire world and these kids don't know who he is and he's an important part of history. So, and it also taught me, you know, he was born February 7th. He died February 10th. God rest his soul. And he's Aquarius like me. haha. <laughs> but, um, it just taught me like the young people, we had a conversation before about MLK mm-hmm. and young people being like, they don't like black history month cause they feel it's some BS. And it was like, this is a great connection culturally for younger generations to connect to as a black history figure mm. and to reconnect with black history and to reconnect. And it was a, a way for us to, you know, connect in that way. And um, as we started working with youth, then we started seeing more of the needs and more of the gaps in education. And then we started really looking at Dilla's history around, like you mentioned, Deja, the, history of him of amp fiddler teaching him how to open up the mpc and then him tweaking the sound and that's how the dilla sound was created mm. and so um wajid he gave wajid a, a broken mpc and that created wajid sound he gave tarak another broken mpc that created tarak sound and so we it's have so this huge, legacy. Right? Right? Like, oh my god it's deep yeah he's great well the, and think of all the people he inspired and, you know, it was amazing. And our very first Dilla tribute that we did was a tribute to Ma Dukes. That's powerful. And um, it was uh, two, 2010. There's a film. It's called Sweet for Ma Dukes. And Miguel Atwood Ferguson is a conductor. That he has was a, here last year, right? At, yeah, he tribute. came to the DIA. Yeah. And he was he he is a conductor and, uh, he, and a composer. And he wrote out Dilla's songs in notes in musical notes that and, changed my life when I saw it and like, it turned it into orchestra music yeah that's powerful and he got B plus which is a famous hip-hop photographer shot the whole thing in black and white it's a film documentary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they went to LA and um the music was put on a, this multicultural orchestra in LA and they performed and then they had um well, Ann Fiddler went out there to perform. Bilal performed uh, Reminisce, um, which is a great song. Um, <laughs> uh, Stakes is High was performed yep. um, by um, Paz Denus and, uh, and Talib Kweli. And, you know, it, it was just amazing. They left a chair open, you know, because when an orchestra member dies, they usually have an empty chair for them with their instrument so they left the and, and Dilla studied the cello at in in school and so they left the empty chair for him in the orchestra and put the cello and put the cello oh. there it's a beautiful film they they show beautiful parts of Detroit it's just a gorgeous gorgeous film and so um in doing this tribute uh we were contacted by Mo Chilla who made the film and was like would you like to do a screening in Detroit of the film and I was like what 
and it had just come out. And hey, that's so dope. They flew themselves out. They gave us each DVDs of this film, um, like 300 DVDs they gave us that we gave out for free of this film. And my Dukes came and we raised money for the J. Dilla Foundation and we had different DJs come and it was just really amazing. That sounds beautiful. What? It was it really amazing. And that was back in 2010. And then ever since then, we were doing Dilla tributes. But like I said, when we discovered in 2011 that the young people just didn't know who he was. Most of the people in Detroit didn't know who he was. And the young people didn't. And so we continued that Dilla Youth Day. The museum became a partner in 2014 and they've been a partner since 2014 so it was really painful to not do it this year um it always has you know hands-on mm-hmm. steam activities you know makerspace engineering arts math all that combined free food but we felt like what's really important right now is we need everybody to help send positive vibrations to uncle herm because when you have a degenerative aggressive disease like cancer um it it, you know it's important for um you to have support because you know you have to put your energies on healing and we all know that many businesses go out of business uh small businesses right can go out of business if the owner has to go deal with their health that's very true piper and people go into debt And people, you know, lose businesses because they have to care for their health. So we want everyone, wherever you are, come to Detroit for the month of February and support Uncle Herm's healing. Send your vibrations to Detroit. Send your vibrations to Uncle Herm. Um, You know, reach out to him. Dilla's Delights is on Instagram. You know, ask them how you can support. Ask him what you could do. You know, there's lots of people supporting, but we want the month of February to honor Dilla by honoring his family, you know, and shouts out to his um, his daughters. Shouts out to my Dukes. Shouts out to Joylette um, Hunter, who is his um, his child's mother. Shouts out to Monica Whitlow, who is, is his other child's mother. Shouts out to, you know, his two his two um, children. Um, and that are doing really, really well, you know, right now. Um, Jemaya Yancey, who's Joylet's daughter, you know, she's away at college right now. She's with, as you would say, killing the game, like doing really well in school. So send her a lot of love. Yes. You know, and Ty Monet is his other daughter. She's doing really well. So we want to send his entire family, um, you know, just, just, Lots and lots and lots and lots of love and support. Yeah, I mean, I just put up the menu. Mm-hmm. I really want a black bottom blueberry donut, vegan donut. <laughs> and they're and they're saving and they're raising the money oh to get another God. building too. Yeah. A Rico Suave cinnamon vegan donut. And we definitely have to support while they're trying to take downtown Detroit from us. Though. Yeah, they're right there. On yeah, John R. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're they're actually have to leave, and they're looking for a new building. So it's all of that. Not to mention, I won't even mention. I won't even mention. But uh, let's just say that everyone around the world wants a piece of the Jay Dilla legacy and they want it to be someplace else other than Detroit. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure that it Stay, stays here and it facts. stays in the family hands. So I like I'll that just pipe. put it that way. Yeah, I like, <laughs> I like that pipe. Without being shady. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, so that's our that's our Black History figure. Jay's great one. Thank you for that one, Deja. Yeah, that was Deja. Man. perfect timing. Greatness for the rest of the month of February. I'm gonna play Dilla's song. I love it. Yes, yes, it's yes. Just Dilla month. So yeah, gonna appreciate him the right way. Perfect timing. Perfect oh wait, timing. I gotta tell you the one last story before we go. Mm-hmm. I tell I told it a couple times, but I'll tell it one more time just because we're doing the tribute with the um the Urban Strings Youth Orchestra one year. We did a program because Five E had had our youth program. And our program was basically based in like, you know, hip hop and emceeing and that type of thing. We actually had Kari, who's the owner of Detroit is Different, and um, Sterling, who is a music producer. And Kari is a great emcee. We had them work with our young people starting in the fall, like around September. And they did an entire um, stop and frisk, know your rights and education about police terrorism with the youth in general. And so they would learn about that um, after school and on Saturdays. And then in addition to that, they did that and they worked with them on their MC skills and writing school skills. And, um, you know, they helped them develop a rhyme, you know, based on that. And at the same time, like I said, we had um, been working with Urban Strings Youth Orchestra and they would kind of learn music or whatever. But we were like, oh, we got to learn Dilla music. And I remember... Um, Asking them to learn to to you know we she was like well what song you want me to learn and I was like oh my god you have to learn f the police and everybody was like pipe you can't have the kids um do f the police and I was like yeah we can't have the kids say f the police so we started really thinking about it so shouts out to Antonio Cosme one of our comrades who's now at the uh, the the Wildlife Federation um. He was like, why don't you do watch the police? You can have the kids say watch the police. And we were like, yeah, because we thought about cop watch in L.A., <laughs> right, and things like that. And we, and so, um, yeah, we had them. And, you know, there's a part um, in the song where it's like, and they played that, you know, in string. And, uh, you know, and then they had the beat and everything. You know, we, we had the drummers and stuff, like, play the beat. And then um, we had, you know, uh, the young people, you know, do their rhyme to it. And so when we we had them perform it at Dilla Youth Day, they performed it a few different times, but this was the first time. And they were at 5E, they performed it. And the Dilla Youth Day that year was so big and it was so hype that somebody actually called the police. And these uniformed police came and I just remember looking fright frightenly like across <laughs> the room and just seeing like two uniform cops like at the door and I just remember I'd made a beeline I immediately like <laughs> ran straight towards them like how can I help you officers you know kind of diffused <laughs> <laughs> diffused like don't ruin the youth yeah. and they were like looking and at that moment the chorus came up and they were like, one, two, three, watch the police. And like the whole room <laughs> was on ten. It was parents, everybody just like bouncing, Earl Flinning to like F the police. And it was it was so hot. And I just remember looking like turning and like looking at the officers like, hello there. <laughs> and them being pleasantly surprised and being like, this is hot. This is good. I like what you're doing here. And stopping to listen to what the young people were saying. And when they listened to the rhymes that the young people said and when they saw the energy of the room, they were like, wow, this is beautiful and this is great. 
And um, so shouts out to those officers that came shouts out to that awesome. call. It was a black officer and a white officer. Shouts out to them because when they came through, like they were in, they were enjoying it too. How can you not? They was a, they were just sucked into the beauty of the energy. Like they was there, like throwing their hands up. Like this is hot. This That's is great. Earl Flynn. This is beautiful. Yeah. Not exactly, but That's almost. <laughs> Like a like Jitten. a like a cop Flynn like a cop <laughs> Flynn jit combination of like I don't want to get caught in this body cam and enjoying this beautiful energy of these this room full of black people just wow. celebrating the life of Jay Dilla. No, I can visualize that though. That's dope. It was dope. Like honestly, they stayed for a little bit, but then they especially were, with the strings. They had too? they left. Oh my god, with the strings, it was mm-hmm. amazing. Um, Deja's gonna play the song you know f the police thank goodness but um you know i'll 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 just play it like really quickly but you know just um a warning to anyone that's listening to it um it's funny too because like when we talk about jay dilla like um we talk about how uh you know we talk about the 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 legacy you know what i'm saying but um I think Brittany, we were in the car one day and you were like, Pipe, do you ever think about was it you? And somebody was like, Do you ever think about the misogyny no. of um of the of the music? And I was like, Yeah, that's why I will only have the kids play like certain <laughs> songs that mm-hmm. are like instrumentals and things like that. You know what I'm saying? But um and there was a and there was and it's interesting because like um there's there's you know there's the uh the um nwa's f the police and in the beginning of the jay dilla's um f the police he's actually doing a tribute to the nwa f the police because this was a classic Mm. song for us in our era because we're like the same age and so if you grew up you know it's like a you know you have those things when you grew up together it's like nostalgia type thing but um, we're gonna play it. But I think like one of one of the my favorite things about this song is the um is the beat. And I think the that what we um when we think about a Jay Dilla, like he represented, you know, or he represents Detroit culture, like that street culture. He represents you know the culture of the neighborhoods. He also represents the genius of the legacy of you know the combination of Motown and hip hop and his genius you know inventive creative original production style was super amazing and i think in in the way that he constructed this beat is a little bit different than many of his other beats because many of his other beats kind of have that kind of draggy sort of thing going on that actually created a whole nother genre called lo-fi that people listen to but um this beat was more akin to like what we would consider like classic you know head being hip-hop so I'll play a little bit, but I know y'all gonna play like a better version, so. The views expressed on this recording are solely those of the artists, and by no means do we encourage or condone violence against law officials. Oh, it's for you. It's for you. Oh, yeah, it's for all my street niggas. Feel it. Count of three, say fuck the police. One, two, three, fuck the police. Yeah, fuck them. Applaud any nigga. So we can go on and on, but we'll play the Man, real one. I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, but we didn't have doesn't that sound like the Boondocks like theme song? Man. A little bit. 
the beginning yeah yeah but they, that's probably where they probably hide mm-hmm. the from but I we didn't so have too. the kids prom- like what, what i love about when he says like well, we don't condone violence or whatever if he was trying to sound like ice cube mm-hmm. if you listen to the original version of the F the police that from nwa and they, and ice cube does that whole little intro like that mm-hmm. but um but like you know when we have the kids you know understand like about a protest music or protest song it's not about like harming police officers and like he said it's not to harm police officials it's just it's condemning the we okay it's it's condemning the system of 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 policing it's condemning that whole system of policing and condemning the way that the system of policing you know polices black bodies um makes decisions about you know uh persecution and you know just the way that black folks are created right i mean uh, to 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 be these you know predators right i mean when i when i what i mean about that is under their narrative mm-hmm. right under the, they they create this narrative that you know black folks are predators and you know that um that young black people are enemies and that they are to be you know uh treated in, in you know in this inhumane way and so it's 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 really speaking to that and you know i think you know when we look at a figure like a jay dilla with all of his genius you know to be able to bring us music that we can enjoy music that we can vibe to but also music that you know what i'm saying speaks to um the things that we you know have to deal with so just shouts out to jay dilla just wanted to that was a little overkill on the tribute. Nah, but. I love Jay. He deserves it. Okay, that's what's up. And mm-hmm. then shouts out to everyone that loves Jay Dilla too. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess this has been like so much. I've talked like so much this episode. Fired up. Yeah, I was fired up. That was that kale salad that I made. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Did you guys have any like final thoughts or things you want to share? No. Okay. Well, just keep listening to. Oh, one last thing I have to share. Um, we're gonna be. Um, on YouTube with Thought Crimes. So shouts out to Thought Crimes. Thought for, Crimes. Um, that's like my favorite podcast. Besides the Piper Carter podcast. Shout out to Thought Crimes. Shouts out to Thought Crimes. And their beautiful production. Aren't they great? Amazing. Shouts out to them. Shouts out to their production. Shouts out to um, Sincere and Prince and um, all the work that they do, you know, all the research that they do, all the production that they do all the labor that they put the love they put into you know creating a vehicle for people and um and thank you to them for opening up their platform to um independent producers like us content creators and you know helping us build our following on youtube so we're gonna be on youtube y'all let's do it on thought crime deja you hear that millie rocking on the youtube this is exciting so um yeah and keep listening um detroit is different and um, this is the Detroit is Different, you know, podcast network. And also to um, go to the website, DetroitIsDifferent.com, uh, to read the blog about things going on in Detroit, DetroitIsDifferent.net. If you want to see the other shows that are here, um, check out Thought Crimes. That's T-H-O-U-G-H-T and then C-R-I-M-E-Z. And if you're on YouTube, it's T-H-O-U-G-H-T underscore C A. R-I-M-E-Z. And, um, you know, this is really exciting. It's a wonderful collaboration. 
Um, this is what we talk about all the time, how we can work together as black people to do business and to support one another as independent media and, ind and independent content creators. And I'm just really excited to be on a platform with Align, you know, uh, mm -hmm. vision, goals, values. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm honored to be, you know, uh, to have two or three amazing people be a part of this platform. You know, you, Deja, we don't get to see Jaira that does a lot of work to make sure that we sound amazing. And um, Brittany, you know, so thanks to, to y'all. Thank you, Piper. Much gratitude. And then check us out on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Detroit is different. And you could check me out on all social media platforms, Piper Carter and Deja too. Spell yours right quick, Deja. C-A-T-O-R-I-I-T -I -I is my Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter at Basebrook. We're also making a page for our podcast on Instagram at pc.podcast. P is in Piper, C is in <laughs> Carter.podcast. So follow us there, too. We're going to make it fun and interactive for you guys. Woohoo! Peace. We could lose a few of them. We got enough of them. My niggas on the corner, they be dying and ducking them. Bitches getting pulled over, end up fucking them. For real. See, now we got these fake cops. They thought.